0: to heaven before the all-knowing God and we yield ourselves afresh as a living sacrifice. We ask, oh God, that you would put everything that is not like you Would you crucify it right now? Father, we love you. We are so grateful that you chose us to be in this place today. And we give you thanks for your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, church. Would you remain standing as we turn our attention to the word? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Do something a little different. I, amen. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 4, we read in verse 10 Then Jerusalem, then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much clutter, so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let me already apologize to the ladies in the room for what I'm about to say. I recently saw Do I have your attention now? (laughs) A cartoon of a man crouched on a toilet with a phone on his shoulder leaning next to his ear and a laptop on his lap. Typing away. Is it no wonder that we have more than we have ever had, and yet we enjoy what we have less? We go to sleep early, only to awaken the next day late, feeling as if we have never rested. Every second of every day is bombarded with information. We consume on an average 15.5 hours worth of media a day. It has been suggested that 80% of headaches Insomnia, eye twitches, is from information overload. Employees, especially at the job where I work, spend nearly half of their work week reading emails and finding information. People are drowning from the pressure of living in the fast lane of life that rarely provides an exit. We are forced forced to carry around mental and emotional baggage that we don't even have the opportunity to unpack. Our lives are filled with clutter. You ask what is clutter? It's leftover its leftovers, trash, fragments, unhealthy memories from the past, wounds from hurts that have never been healed, disappointment, unfinished assignments that become reminders of our personal failures. Clutter is negative thoughts that I call sudden ghosts that can pop up at any time and still your joy. The things that you and I fail to address that need to be cleaned up, that room in the house, that closet that keeps all of the stuff that we're getting around to, the one that you actually have to uh, almost put your foot on uh, to close that door. That's physical clutter that leaves us mentally and emotionally exhausted. If you're ever going to be fixed because we all are broken, you will need to learn from the word of God how to deal with clutter. I have too much sermon for one setting. So we will go as far as we can go with good reason. Amen? Amen. Now, the first question as we turn our attention to the text in Nehemiah chapter 4, I want to answer the question, why is clutter the heaviness of our life? I actually have a good friend, a minister, a pastor, who nearly lost his life from the clutter in his home. He got up in the middle of the night to uh, get a glass of water or whatever he was preparing to do at night in the dark, and he did not realize that one of his children had left a car, a toy car, on a wooden floor. And... He stepped on the car, and the, the uh, car uh, caused him to lose his balance, and he hit his head. And uh, he remained in a coma for at least eight days with a, bl- a brain bleed. Your clutter can kill you. It can kill you. Clutter is dangerous because it distracts us from fulfilling God's purpose. It's a distraction. Listen to what the word of God says. Then I said to them, Nehemiah speaking, going back to chapter 1, verse 18, after he had heard of the circumstances that were occurring in Jerusalem where the walls, the protection, uh, the physical, tangible evidence of the, the presence of God's favor, had been torn down by Nebuchadnezzar when he went in and took Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego and the precious items out of the Temple of Solomon and desecrated it and leveled it to the ground. The walls had been torn down. And when Nehemiah, the cupbearer of King Artaxerxes, the Neo-Persian king, got word from nephews and relatives of his of the situation that existed in Jerusalem, even though he was living large in the king's palace. The Bible says that it caused his heart to be broken. He wept, and he pushed his plate away, and God gave him favor In chapter 2 actually, beginning in verse 18, he approaches the people of God after having inspected the conditions of the wall himself. And that's one of the things in 2019, we can't just imagine and, and, and get our directives about what's going on in the community around us by what we see on the news or what we read in the paper or what someone says to us. We've got to go out of these walls and examine what is going on in the Jerusalem that is around us. And like Nehemiah, when we see it firsthand, I believe we will be brought to tears and we will cry out to God in ways that we have not in 2018. And so having seen the ruins and the destructive state of things, uh, he came back in chapter 2, and he says, Then I said to them, Nehemiah speaking to the people, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. Verse eighteen. And also told he. Also, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me, and what the king had said. They said. They replied, "Let us start rebuilding." So they began this good work. God gave them a special assignment. We see, and that assignment was to build the walls of Jerusalem. I want you to know that in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, the Bible says that you are God's masterpieces. You are his handiwork, and he created you like he gave the nation of Israel a specific assignment to build the walls. He said, I have created you unto good works. I have given you a purpose. I've given you assignment. And as I am accomplishing the assignment of God for my life, I am moving in the direction of what we call destiny, and as I move in that direction, according to God's plan for my life, I am fulfilling my purpose, and my purpose will cause me to leave a legacy that will be a light that shines to my children, and they will see the good works, and they will be caused to glorify our Father who is in heaven. How many of you know that you're God's handiworks? You are designed by the Lord, and he, he, has, a, he has an assignment for you. Now, purpose, and we've been dealing with this. I just want to quickly say what it is. Uh, Purpose simply means uh, to do what you you are supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. That's what purpose is, to do what you are supposed to do, what you were created to do, assigned to do, directed to do by God when it's supposed to be done. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21 says, many are the plans that are in our hearts, but the purposes of God will be established. Purpose comes from God. God created everything with a purpose, with the ability to fulfill it. So not only does God give us an assignment to do, but he equips you to do it. He will never ask you to do something that he has failed to give you the ability to pull off. So if God leads you to it, he intends to take you through it. If not through it, he'll take you around it or over it. But the capabilities come from God, the same God who gave you the assignments. Since your purpose comes from God, the worst thing that someone can ever do is to distract you from your true purpose in life. And so when we have things that are standing in our way, things that we find ourselves preoccupied with, the enemy's intention is to distract you from God's purpose. That is, any time that you find yourself not aligned to the purposes and will of God, because, you have a, because of distraction, you have found yourself in a place where you are being unfruitful, and that day that you have is the only day that God promises, when tomorrow is not promised to us. And so we want to be very careful not to be distracted. Say, so I, I don't want to be distracted. And in order to be, avoid distraction, you've got to declutter your life. Declutter your life. We've got to turn some stuff off. We don't have to know everything. I have two phones now, and I didn't want one, but I got two. When I'm off from the first, I got one phone and I'm grateful, when, when I'm grateful for the technology, but I'm also mindful that I'm not going to be so consumed by what's coming through my cell phone or through some other uh, medium that it distracts me from what God has called me to do. So clutter is distracting. It, is also, it also drains you of your energy. Meanwhile, here's what the people said. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And the reason it was giving out was they had built the wall up to half its height. They were halfway finished the card note. You know how that is. And the, the, the scripture says that they were without strength. Clutter, trash, when that is your focus, it will drain you of your energy. It'll make you tired, and you haven't done anything. You just lay right on top of it. <laughs> you get up with all of the, the sticky stuff on you, and clutter drains you of energy. It can cause physical fatigue. The people were tired from failing to live a balanced life when all you do is work. And I say that to myself. I work seven days a week. Seven days a week. I don't consider myself a workaholic. I'm just trying to do what I got to do. But what happens is you develop the ability to press on but that doesn't mean that your mind is fresh. That doesn't mean that the stamina that you need that comes from depending upon the God is always active. You're just doing what you got to do sometimes. And so you find yourself tired. You've been taking all kinds of geritol. You got all the best. I don't even know if they do geritol or anymore. You got vitamin B. You got uh, vitamin B. You got what's some of the other? E C D. (laughs) So we got all kinds of things that we're taking, but you're still tired. And you're tired because of the clutter, the rubbish, the trash, the things that you should have did, but you didn't do. And now you're overwhelmed. Clutter can also lead to mental fatigue. The people could not see the finish line. Their minds were drained of ideas and strategies of how To do one more thing. One of the things that was true when we were growing up, I would sit in the yard for hours just daydreaming. I would sit I would sit there and I would get all kinds of creative. I'm a creative thinker and uh, one of the things that happens when you got to do what you got to do, you ain't being very creative. And so what happens, you're so overloaded with the mental aspect of what you have to do, that you find yourself not being able to be at your best. I have discovered, I don't know about you, that there are times when I don't need to be making decisions. There are times when I don't need to be having no heavy discussions. And, and, and that's when I need protection. Somebody step in and say, Pastor, aren't you tired? Pastor, aren't you this? Because I'd be saying, yes, yes, yes. I done filled up a calendar for the next three years, and I haven't looked at the calendar one time. I have great sermons that I can't find, because after I've finished them, I don't know what I did. Thank God for organized folks that helped me, and I'm much better at that now. But thank God for Sister Renee and others. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So mental fatigue, you're tired. You can't respond. You don't know how to give a reason of a hope that is within you. You done studied that Bible verse for all all week, and you can't even get the first part of it. You don't even know where it's at because your mind is tired. Clutter can cause emotional fatigue. Here's what they said, and this is verse 11. It says, also, our enemy said, before we we know it or see us, or before we see them, we will, we, will be right, we will be right there among them, and we will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near near them came and told us ten times over, whenever wherever you turn, they will attack us. And the people could not rest. They could not rest because they were afraid. They were filled with stress and anxiety. The clutter that crowds us will attack you on an emotional level. So you're living in, in, in fear of something that you forgot, a bill that you didn't pay or an assignment that you should have completed that you didn't complete or the fear that somehow because you're not producing the way you should at work, you're going to lose your job. And so the attack that the Israelites were facing, Sanballat and Tobiah, they were threatening that they were going to attack them externally. When you're not looking, we're going to be upon you and we're going to kill you. And then the Jews were coming that were somehow aligned to Tobiah and Sanballat because whenever you decide that you're going to do the work for God, a part of the clutter are going to be things that people who are intentionally positioned by Satan in your life, to keep you from accomplishing the will of God. Everything that comes in your direction that smells good and looks good is not from God. The Bible said don't be deceived of the devil's devices because the angel that Satan appears, he masquerades, he disguises himself as an angel of light. The people couldn't rest. You're resting but you're stressing. You're resting, but you're waking up at night, and you're, you're fighting, pushing, and you, you, you done had nightmare after nightmare. You, done, you don't know why you have these bad dreams. You're mentally fatigued because of the clutter that you have not unpacked, that you've not unloaded, that you've not dealt with. Elijah, the great prophet of God, I would like to think that, you know, the, the, the men and the women of the Bible, they, 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 were over, they, they overcame this, and they were beyond these kind of struggles that we had. But no, the Bible says after Elijah, who had prayed, he said, Lord, let it rain, and for three and a half years, not a single drop of rain fell. There was a drought across the entire land. And then upon the call of Elijah, three and a half years later, he cried and he prayed again, and it rained. Great power came through this prophet Elijah. And yet when Jezebel said, by this time tonight, you're a dead man. We find this man of God fleeing for his life. He is terrified. He, he, but the fear That he was experiencing was also the result of just being fatigued from the clutter three and a half years of nonstop ministry, being on the top of the mountain, trusting God, being fed by the ravens, being fed by the widow uh, from Zerapath. All these high mountain experiences, and now he's in the valley, and everybody's not impressed with your hallelujah, everybody's not impressed with your praise of the Lord, everybody ain't excited the fact that you came to church with your Bible today. They're laying for you, waiting for you to come home to give you hell. And unfortunately, too many of us are like Elijah, we take off running. And we run from the Lord and we think that God is not fair and we we take it out on people that are closest to us, the ones that we say we love, we lash out, we're angry, we have a short temper, we hold things because we have not unpacked the clutter that has piled up in our lives. And that's why we have so many instances of road rage. People are driven all day listening to Fox News or CNN. You're listening to that all day, and the first time somebody cuts in front of you, you're going to be You're going to go ballistic. And it's not appropriate for what just occurred, but if you take the cumulative effect of all the clutter, we haven't spent any time in the Word of God. David says, but we should delight ourselves in the law of the Lord, and in that law, we should be meditating it day and night. And when I meditate in the law of the Lord day and night, what he does, he said, you'll be like a tree that's planted by rivers of water. And we will prosper. There's a a peace that comes. There's a calm that comes when we find ourselves not allowing the trash, the clutter, the overload. Sometimes you just need to shut it down. Going in 2019, I'm going to be asking you, shut some stuff down. Let's go a week without. We can see if we can survive it. See folk and come here, oh yeah, well, my, my cell phone is in the car and you know, you know help a brother out. <laughs> Elijah decided to quit the ministry because of overload, emotional fatigue, he became so depressed that he asked the Lord to kill him. I don't believe that depression is an unforgivable sin even when it leads a person to commit suicide because there's no sin that you can ever commit that the Lord won't forgive. The blood of Jesus Christ died for all of our sins, past, present, and future. But I do believe that Christians can become so caught up in this world system. That's why God said, don't be conformed to this world. Be in the world, but not of the world because when you are, you don't have the time to even slow down enough. To recognize when people are giving you all kinds of signals that they're hurting, that's the greatest danger in the church. When I see uh, our church, we have a great church, a great church, a faithful church, a giving church, a growing church spiritually, but we don't have time to invite nobody. We're so busy just living. I'm not giving you no excuse now. now I'm telling you, you, got too much clutter. If we can't reach folk to come to share them with them the good news, we need to declutter. Somebody say, declutter. So not only is it, uh, uh, does, does uh, clutter drain us of energy uh, for, with, as regards to physical fatigue and emotional fatigue, but it also, clutter can discourage you. Discourage you. The people said, we can't finish. We, uh, we have no strength. We don't. Have, they never did have the strength because it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Spirit of God. Anything that God wants you to do, I've already told you, if you depend on the Spirit of God, you can do it. How many of you know I can do what? All things. The question is if all the things that are on your schedule, on your agenda, on, on, on what you put on your to-do list are the things that the Lord has called you to do. You can do all those things through Christ who strengthens you. But if your schedule is loaded up with your stuff, the Lord never promised to give you strength for somebody else because that's somebody else's assignment you're doing. Clutter can discourage you. I remember the story of Moses when the people were begging for bread. (laughs) Where's the bread? We want some fish and chips. Some garlic and leeks. We remember back when we were in Egypt. We can get us some Jamaican food. <laughs> Man, what's going on out here? And they wanted to kill Moses. And they're right on the outskirts of a promised land. They had seen God do signs and wonders. He has fed them when they were hungry. He kept clothes on their back. Their shoes and their clothes never wore out. Nobody got sick. None of the plagues that fell on the Egyptians fell on them. And here they are. If you don't serve something up, Moses, we about to get a homicide. And then Moses turned to the Lord, and he said, Lord, how can I feed These people, do you hate me? Why would you put me in this circumstance? God, if you really feel that way about me, that my life could be this out of control and this much pressure up on me, why don't you just kill me? And the Lord said to Moses, step back. I'm about to to take my divine supernatural strap off. And when it hits the people, everybody's gonna be dead. It's just be you, and then I'm gonna create a whole new congregation for Moses. I want you to understand that none of us are exempt from clutter. And here's what the devil did when when, when you discourage, you are a prime target and a tool in the hand of Satan. You are the most dangerous Christian in the church because a discouraged Christian is a negative Christian. A discouraged Christian is a complaining Christian. A discouraged Christian will lead the weaker believers in the church astray. A a discouraged Christian is like gangrene. That, That spirit of negativity will spread through the church like cancer in a body. Clutter will discourage you. It will discourage you. One of the hardest things uh, in terms of what we talk about, leaving legacy and the attack when you're discouraged and you're drained, et cetera, then you look at the damage, the impact on your marriage, the impact on your children, the impact on friendships. You start wondering, when's the last time I went to the movie? When's the last? Now, some of you don't have any problem with that. You done went to every movie. That's a part of the clutter. You done went to every show. You done bought you every suit. You done bought you every shoe. Now you got to work three jobs to pay for it. That's clutter. I'm talking about the folks who, who are being pulled in 10 different directions at the same time. Clutter also can cause delay in the completion of God's assignment for your life. Look at verse 15 of chapter 4. The Bible says, when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. They returned to the wall because they stopped working. One of the first things the devil will do when you become discouraged is you will stop serving in your ministry, and you will not come. That will tell you you just damn, you deserve a break today you know well we the first thing that we want to cut down and downsize on are the things of God isn't that interesting and everything that we have guess where it came from every good and perfect gift the one that you when you got you would shout and pray, hallelujah thank you Jesus you answered my prayer you even gave a word of testimony but now you're too tired to serve. They stop building the wall. That's what the devil wants. Don't you understand that he don't care if you're just sitting in the pew? He doesn't care if you're not doing anything. It bothers Satan not if you're just sitting around worrying about all that you have to do. The key that he is trying to prevent is that you, he doesn't want you to accomplish what God has assigned you to do. He's blocking your path. That's what clutter will do. It'll block your path. Sometimes clutter can be a man. It can be a woman. And I'm jumping ahead of myself, but so so, so clutter can delay the work of God. And here's how that happens in the church. I call this paralysis by analysis. What we do, we spend so much time trying to figure it out. What, what direction did the arrow that hit the man in the head? What was the trajectory? What was the velocity? What was the volume? Uh, where did it penetrate and how deep was the penetration? The man's lying in ground now. All the time we're trying to figure it out and get all the specific paralysis. We ain't done nothing. Like the Good Samaritan, the the, the Levite and the priest, they saw the man overtaken, stripped naked, bleeding and dying. And and they saw him there. I can imagine that they had a million reasons why they shouldn't help him. They paralysis by analysis. The Bible says they crossed over to the other side of the road. They left the man in the road dying. They were too busy trying to serve God. But but there was a man that everybody looked down on. There's no such thing as a Good Samaritan. But the Word of God calls him a Good Samaritan. He He saw that the man had been overtaken. He didn't care how he got there. He didn't care what people would think. All that mattered to him was what mattered to God, that somebody was hurting. Somebody was hurting. I'm not going to ever get so busy that I can't minister to somebody. Somebody needs food. Somebody needs a word of encouragement. Somebody needs an embrace. Somebody needs me to cry with them. Somebody needs me to share a word. In season. Paralysis by analysis. We got every reason under the sun why we won't do something. And people are dying around us. I went to the saddest funeral. I cried. I don't know how many Thousands of people I've seen in 14 years, thousands, literally thousands of people die. I'm tired of seeing people die. I have to tell you this. But when I stood there over that casket and watched that 60-year-old woman and her daughter stand in front of that casket and cry the way she cried, that was somebody who had no hope and somebody knew that I ain't going to see my mother again. This woman didn't know Jesus. And so here I am. It's one thing to die, but it's an entirely different thing to die without Jesus. Paralysis by analysis. When are you going to do something? When are you going to stop trying to figure out what God already figured out? <laughs> Where's your mark? What difference have you made? Who would miss you if you were never here? Here's another consequence of delaying the work of God, projection without proper expectation. And here's what I mean by that. It ain't as deep as it sounds. (laughs) Instead of focusing on your piece of the puzzle, your part of the wall, we're looking at what we haven't done or what yet needs to be done. And so you focus projection. You're just looking at And here, I had to say this to myself. One thing at a time. You ever get so much, you're so stressed that you, your eyeballs hurt? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Elder. <laughs> and I had to say one thing at a time. It doesn't make no sense to tell anybody. You still got to do it. One thing at a time. Somebody asked the question, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. Have you ever moved into a new house? How many of you like moving? Oh, man, get that U-Haul truck. And, and you moving, you got you to gotta pack everything, put it in the right boxes. Now, we'd have moved enough to, to learn the hard way that you should mark the boxes, <laughs> what they are, and, and what room you want them in. We've moved without doing any of that. One time we moved from uh, Philadelphia to Niagara Falls, and I left the folks. Half of our stuff was still in Philly when we left. We, we still don't have half of our furniture. Might be in some of you guys' houses. <laughs> <laughs> so you finally get everything off the truck. You're totally exhausted, and everything is boxed up. Now you've got to make a decision. One box at a time, the essentials only. But if you're projecting without proper expectation, you're going to be overwhelmed. And I had somebody say, you're going to be in this house for a long time. (laughs) So don't worry yourself. Get to it when you get to it. But just make sure you get to it. And so instead of looking at the whole entire elephant, look at the tail. Look at the toe. Look at the part of it that you can do. God didn't tell you to do everything, but he gave all of us, every one of us, something to do. What part of the wall should you be building today? What are your priorities today? Projection without proper expectation will delay the work. You'll take all the wrong things out. You, take all, you got all the baby stuff out and you don't have nowhere to sleep. you on the floor. I'm too young for the floor now. I'm telling you. There's a couple things I ain't doing. I ain't sleeping outside of my bed on nobody's couch. I ain't doing it. Don't matter how mad, how bad, how dark the night may be. I'm sleeping in my bed. Now, baby, if you decide that you want to do something different, all right, but a homie's going to be in his bed. You hear me? Somebody say amen. I ain't getting out of my bed. <laughs> I might see some smoke coming out those ears. Just don't burn up the bed, baby. I'm here. <laughs> One box at a time. Don't look at the big picture. They used to call me when I played baseball. My nickname was Anxious. I, I didn't. First of all, I didn't even know what the word meant. I never even looked it up. But a guy used to say, you're anxious, aren't you? Hey, come here, Anxious. And what he was saying is, that I played every game as if it was the end of the world, that everything rested on what that friend thought, what that situation required. I didn't understand that it was bigger than that day, bigger than that experience. And so I stressed and put myself under undue pressure. Anybody know what I'm talking about? One thing at a time. It's not as. Out of control, as you think, if you take the project the way it ought to be taken. Now, what causes clutter? Somebody say, what causes clutter? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Numero uno. Let me see if you can figure this out. This is in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27 through 28. I'll do it tomorrow. Do not withhold good from those whom it is due. When it's in your power to act, do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow, and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. What's the problem? What's the word? Procrastination. Procrastination is the wimpy sin. You remember Hopi and wimpy? I'll gladly pay you tomorrow for a hamburger today. <laughs> Man, we got so many IOUs with God in heaven, things that you should have done today, and you put it off to tomorrow. And tomorrow became a week and a month and a year. And then you got years of clutter in your home, years of clutter and things that you should have accomplished but you never did. And that window has closed on you. And so procrastination, procra- putting stuff off that you should do. I heard somebody say to me, I wonder how this guy accomplished so much. I I'm just asked him, what do you do? He said, I, touch, I don't touch anything twice. He wrote a book. He didn't open up a school. He didn't, I was like, how does this boy do all that? <laughs> he got the same amount of time I got. He said, I don't touch anything twice. When he gets the mail, he's not sitting it anywhere. He's looking at it and dispensing of it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Here's another cause of clutter. People pleasing. People pleasers do whatever they feel will gain them favor acceptance and approval, and the validation of others. When you live to please other people, you are going to be fulfilling their assignment that they designate for you rather than God. And that is going to wear you out because as long as you are not in the will of God for your life, you have no peace. I don't care how miserable something may seem to someone else. When God gives you your cross to bear, you will be able to bear it with joy. But if you carry my cross, you are going to be miserable. In Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter twelve verses thirty through thirty one, the Lord says, "Love your neighbor as yourself." People pleasers don't love themselves. They don't accept who they are in Christ. They find their value and definition in the accolades or the lack thereof of others. If people don't encourage or say things that they think they need to hear, then they don't feel good about themselves. But if you don't see yourself from God's vantage point, you will find yourself enslaved to the pressures of others. Here's another thing. Priorities that are temporal rather than eternal. The people that were building the walls were more concerned about present danger than they were about the eternal assignment. God gave them the assignment. When all you can see, the Bible says we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen, because everything that you see, your face, your all that beauty, all that, all the things that you worked all your life to put in that house so it could look a certain way, everything you see is passing away. But those things that are not seen, the Bible says they are eternal. The outward man is, what, perishing, but the inward man is being renewed. And so when you put your attention, your priority is on the temporal rather than the eternal, you are going to be a person who is constantly overwhelmed by the affairs of this world. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, but seek ye what? The, seek ye first, the kingdom of God and his Righteousness. I sat in a room with a woman who's in her mid-40s. She's had three heart attacks in a week. And the doctors don't know what to tell her. She's got a blockage behind her ear, blockage behind her eye, and a, a narrowing valve. And they said, if we try to expand the valve with a shunt, it could explode and you'll die. And she's sitting there, and I'm trying. She don't know the Lord. I'm trying to help her, and she has no faith. Because her priority has not been the kingdom of God. The Lord said, if you put his kingdom first, all of these things will be added. I want you to understand you don't get faith in the moment. You get faith from the moments that you've been building to. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to begin obeying the word of God now. So when that day comes and you have to face the trials of life that you never thought would come your way, you will have on, your, on board of your life the very word of God that will give you what you need to stand. Priorities that are temporal. Where are your priorities? Are you living for the pleasures of this world, the temporal things, or are you living to please God? Okay. Let me see your checkbook. I'll tell you what you are living for. Where are you investing your treasures? By the way, the treasures that you have are entrusted to you by God because they come from him. Amen. Let me let me run on. I think I started something right there. Here's another, here's another re- cause of it. Poor planning. Say poor planning. What happened when the people started threatening Tobiah and some and, and Sam Ballard and others started to fl- threaten, what Nehemiah did, he reorganized the people. He decided, here's how I'm gonna keep them from running. I'm gonna make, I'm gonna change their assignment. I'm gonna re- Assign them, and they will be working on the part of the wall nearest to their house and family. So if you're near to your house and your family, guess what? You're going to fight a little harder. <laughs> and so sometimes that we, 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 are, we are filled with clutter because we don't plan. And if you don't plan, you have planned to fail. And if you aim low, you hit your target every time. And so the first thing that needs to happen before a project starts, you've got to have a plan. You have to have a plan. And then to exit So when we ask people to join this or that, we have a plan. We have a vision. We're inviting you to be a part of vision. We're not making this thing up as we go along. And so you know what you're being called to do before you do it. And once you do it, you can determine, is this clutter or is this kingdom building? Here's another thing. Peer association. I told you how Nehemiah reasphys position the people next to their families, your associations will determine how impactful you are for the kingdom. If you're with the wrong people, God says, corrupt company will what? Will corrupt your morals. Who are you associating with? Who is your network? Not your net worth, (laughs) but your network. Iron sharpens iron. The two that are better than one is, are, are, are the kinds of people that God brings in your life that are going to I- exhort you to higher heights, to stir up in you a greater desire to be like the Lord. That's how you know that God brought them, is when they're helping you to become more like Jesus. Who are your peer associations? And here, here's the final thing before we shut it down. Personal sin. It's what causes our lives to be cluttered. One of the greatest sins in the church today is fear. We won't try because we might not succeed. And so God has told us to do some things, and we just will not do it. People will never fly a plane, will never get on the train, will never drive their cars. You got a car sitting right up front, and the Lord has told you to do this or that. God has told you to call somebody, that there's been an offense, that there's been tension, that the the relationship needs to be restored, but you're afraid that they're not going to receive it, that they're going to reject you, that they may not like you, and so you don't act. But God told you to do it. Pride. Somebody say pride! Pride! (laughs) The smallest package is the one that is wrapped up with you. The Bible says pride comes before the fall. Here's how pride manifests itself. Refusing to ask for help when you need it. Submitting, refusing to submit to godly correction. When you're wrong, is three left shoes. And somebody tells you, here's the right way. And by the way, the way you were doing it was not correct. Just say, submit. It's me. The crumbs that you see around my mouth are your cake that I shouldn't have eaten. It's me! If you hadn't put it there, maybe if it had been a little higher, maybe if it, no, 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 no no excuses, it's me. We will not humble ourselves to admit that we have a problem. How many of you know we got problems? We broken. We broken. Amen, okay, amen. The ones ain't saying nothing. You broke more than I am. (laughs) Pride. (laughs) Here's another thing that, causes clever in our life, sexual sin, holding on to sin that becomes a stronghold. And sexual sin can be drugs, it can be sports, where every single waking moment you have, you that's all you do, you're totally consumed. You're not opening up the word, you're not praying. You got every tablet, every newspaper, you know all of the scores, you know all the statistics, but you don't know the Bible. Sexual sin, lust, you cannot enjoy your walk with the Lord or grow spiritually because you keep answering the call. You know what happens with sexual sin? There's a voice that calls you. And it's when you're alone. It's when you're angry. It's when you're frustrated. And usually it calls when you're tired. And guess what? It knows your name. And what we do, what you do... (laughs) What we do, <laughs> I used to say, I put the Holy Spirit on pause. You know how you used to do that when you're watching something on TV, and you got to do something else, and the Holy Spirit just said, I have provided a way for you to escape. There is no temptation. I hear that. No temptation that is taking you. But it don't get to the butt. <laughs> I put it on pause. And then when I do what I do, then I come back. And, but such that is common to men. <laughs> Here's a final thing, and then we'll come back to this. An unforgiving spirit will keep you bound with clutter. When people have hurt you and done things, and you know what they did, and when you think of it five years later, 10 years, 15 years later, and you still feel the intensity of that pain, I want to suggest to you very strongly that you have not experienced or or extended spiritual or biblical forgiveness because you're not going to feel the pain. You can remember the sin, but you should not be revisiting. Now, if somebody continues to do the same thing, that's a whole new, uh, a whole new paradigm there. Nehemiah, when, before he went to before the king, the first thing he did, he prayed. And he said, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And forgive my fathers for every sin. Because the only reason we're in this predicament with the walls torn down, the reason I got all this clutter in my life, the reason I'm having a peach, the reason I can't really celebrate when I come to church, the reason I'm so exhausted at service and I can't say amen, and I'm so distracted about the dinner on the table, the food I didn't cook, the groceries I got to buy, the dirty clothes in my laundry that are piled up to the ceiling, is because I got all this clutter in my life. And the Lord is saying we need to first come to him for personal confession. We need to confess that as sin. And then the same God that routinely forgives us and we receive it readily, we don't say, oh, no, God, I'm too bad, I'm too terrible. No, 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 we accept the forgiveness of God. But let somebody do the same thing to us that we are asked God to forgive us for, and we don't extend that same forgiveness. That's clutter. I lived in Houston in the 80s. Stand with me. And uh, at that time, Houston was one of the fastest growing cities in the country because of its economy, which was totally based on oil. Over a 1,000 people were moving into the city of Houston a day, a week. It was a week, per week, per week. And so the engineers that had architected the highways had not anticipated that type of growth. So if you were ever, you ever been in Atlanta and tried to drive somewhere? Okay. Houston's worse. So if you had to go somewhere, which should have taken... Less than 15 minutes, you're, you're going to be on your, in your car during rush hour for at least an hour. And so they came up with this bright idea. They couldn't expand the soon quick enough to alleviate the problem and, and all the anger and frustration and the lack of productivity. You're in your car when you can't, you can't work if you're in your car. And when you get to work, you're so tired and angry, uh, you don't even give a good day's work. So they just came up with this idea of counterflow, counterflow lanes. Some of you know about, so a counterflow, when everything is going north during the rush hour traffic, a counterflow lane, the north one lane or two lanes in the north side of the lane, the highway, becomes some, a, a part of how you can go south in the opposite direction. Now here's a requirement. It wasn't a cluttered lane, it wasn't a jam lane. It, it, it didn't have bumper to bumper traffic, but in order to be in the counterflow lane, you had to pay extra. And you also had to have two or more people. You had to ride share, drive share. Okay? Now, even though they had the counterflow lane, most Houstonians weren't gonna pay anything extra. And they would rather, they would ride, rather ride in a six passenger SUV by themselves in bumper to bumper traffic. They chose clutter. When the option on the other side of the, in that same lane, was to drive freely without stress, without pressure, all they had to do is make the decision that I'm not going to be in the bumper bumpers, the bumper lanes. I'm not going to be in the clutter. I'm going to get in the counter flow lane. I hear the Lord saying, are you going to continue to drive in the lane with the clutter and the frustration and the tension? Are you going to come on my side where there is peace, where there is joy, that that, that will give you the ability to mount up with wings of eagles? Are you willing to come to the counter lane? If you want to do that, you got to remove the clutter. We'll show you how next week. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen.